Who is Coach Mike? Coach Mike, very nice guy. He's a good softball coach. He's sincere. He's the dumbest smart guy I've ever known. Upbeat, optimistic, good-natured, always looking on the bright side of things. Wow, thank God he didn't say that I had a face for radio. But then what do you expect for $5 these days? Just can't hire good help. Hey, in all seriousness aside, stay tuned for the Weed Whacker podcast where I will be discussing almost any subject and bringing in guests to hash out and get rid of all the weeds. We're going to clear the path for your success in whatever it might be you need. Your life, your business, your politics, your religion. We're going to bring it all right here to the Weed Whacker. gentlemen you hear that noise you know what that means that means the weed whacker is up and running that string is flying around and we're gonna whack some weeds today glad you joined us follow coach mike anytime you want at coachmikenow.com and you can check all the episodes of the weed whacker on spotify on itunes on amazon on acast i've got it all over the place and i'm getting to more if you want to come on Send me an email. I'd love to talk to you about what weeds you'd like to whack. Today, we're going to get into an issue that's well discussed these days. We're probably going to talk a little bit about mental health. And that was caught me a little bit by surprise, but that's okay. I'm jealous of this guest. I was telling him because you look up Coach Mike Davis on Google and you're not going to find me very easily. Okay. I'm going to tell you right now. You look his name up, he's got the whole first page. So I'm, I'm guessing there's not too many people that have this name. So welcome to the show, Dave Chemetsky. Chemetsky, did I pronounce that right, Dave? That's you a did, tough yeah, one. Chemetsky, yeah. You know, everybody gets scared when you see a Z in, in, in a word. You're like, <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, no, that was perfect. <laughs> okay, Dave, tell us, what are you all about? you got two different podcasts. I love the title of your podcast. I, lo- I love that. Peace, love, and bring a bat, baby. I love that. One hundred percent. You know, it's it's a mindset, you know, and, and that's really what I talk about when I when I do some work. I, I you know, I've, I've been coaching as well. And uh, what I call it is mentoring because it's I know what the darkness looks like. And that's that on that path. That's that where I might not weed whack, but we find the obstacles that are blocking us in our in our path. But the podcast, the peace, love and bring a bat. I love it. As you can probably hear, I have a New York accent, so there's got to be a little attitude there. And uh, <laughs> attitude is not a bad thing. Uh, you know, really. So what we do is we, on the podcast, we bring people like yourself who have interesting stories, who move forward. And, you know, it's a li- like I say, it's a little inspirational. It's a little bit motivational and it's a little bit perspirational because if you don't do the work, you're not going to do it. It doesn't matter how many books you read, how many mountains you sit on. You got to do the work. That's, you got that right on, David. I tell you, you can't uh, – people want, especially today, the young people today, so want instant gratification with everything. And and we did a little too. I think, you know, back in the day, that's one reason I only had a 359 GPA in high school. I was supposed to be brilliant. I had this high IQ and everything. But if I 
had to work too hard at some of the homework, I got lazy. I had I would procrastinate, and that that where did you start? What got you going uh, in life? Where did what's your background a little bit, Dave? It's a long, strange ride. I, I have thirty years of corporate experience in the legal field. I'm not a lawyer. I'm sort of like a super paralegal is what you know, or paralegal on steroids is what one of my bosses calls me. But uh, so you know, I've had that experience. But then I also. Uh, at one point, about 10 years ago, started going through some changes. You know, we, uh, we all, you know, mental changes. And I went to a therapist and then he taught me one of this, the greatest technique that I found was this, it's called havening. And it's a psychosensory. It's, you, you kind of touch it and rub your hands. Or I tell people, hey, I'll teach you how to, you know, rub yourself in a special way to heal yourself. But <laughs> you know, so, you know, I, I started learning that. And that was my background. My, my bachelor's degree was in behavioral sciences. So it really attracted me in a way that other things have not. And once I started learning some other techniques and working through people and being certified in some of these techniques, I was helping people. I was assisting them. To, and I was like, man, I want to do this. This is what I do. I do a lot of charity work. I I, I love philanthropy. Oh, I can't even say it now. I, I love charity work. Uh, philanthropy. There you go. Um, and that's really where where I've gone. And then, you know, doing the work. And then when we hit the pandemic, I was like, okay, I still do some of the work. And that's when I started the podcast. I was like, people need to hear each other's stories. Our power right. is unleashed so much better when we have our stories and that's okay. And there's some, I mean, like I've had, I mean, I know you just interviewed a, a blind man. I also interviewed a blind man, uh, put my cards down the table, but this man that I interviewed, he lost his eyesight at 35. He was a proofreader and, I say so within a week it wasn't even a gradual it was like one day boom you're done and how he's come back and slowly been able to get get his eyesight back it was just all these stories or I have so many different stories and I think that's the power of what we do is doing that because even when we were going through something we all go through life and it's not a straight line and no. knowing somebody else's story, you see them differently in both good and bad. If we don't judge, and that's what, as a mentor, I don't judge anybody's story. You know, I've had clients, and I'm sure so of you. Oh, you're not going to believe this story. I'll believe any story you want to tell me. And how do we work <laughs> forward from it? You know, David, tell me. Tell me. You told me you played baseball when you were younger. Did. Any coaches have an impact on you there to, to what you wanted to, I guess now you're sort of like the mentalist. I love that show, but you get the mentalist there, you know, but did you have any of the coaches that wanted to, that sort of inspired you to help others? Uh, no, you know, I, I was one of those guys. I was on the team and, you know, wasn't the best guy, wasn't the worst guy. So it was just a guy who was like kind of solid, you know, I, uh, there's, you know, there's a lot of good players, right? There's a lot of like, like Kevin McReynolds is, is one of those players. I don't know if anybody even remembers Kevin McReynolds, but he used sure. to play for the Mets and the Padres, but he was just a, a really solid ball player. He wasn't going to be a Hall of Famer. He wasn't even going to be an all-star, you know, but he was solid. You can count on what he has, what he brought, and he brought exactly what, you know, his attitude was just, I'm going to come in and play to the best of my ability. And, and I think that's really what I do. So I didn't really stand out baseball wise, but it's always been a big part of my life. And now when people see me, they, they love the logo with the comic book. So anybody who's seeing it, just audio, uh, it's a big cartoon of, of me swinging a baseball bat. And there's so many great metaphors and I'm writing a book on it 
there's so many great metaphors on how we can improve ourselves using the language of baseball, you know, baseball, softball, swinging a bat, hitting your sweet spot, finding the right balance in life. There's so many powerful ways to do it because, you know, as you know, it doesn't always mean that if you hit your sweet spot, you hit a home run. You could hit right. a line drive right at the shortstop, but that's the best that you could have done. Not that your ability, that's just the way you hit the ball, but you hit it as hard as you could and you did the best you could. And that's the really important part is doing the best we can. Even when we don't feel like it, we still get up and go do it. That's right. You know, one of the funniest interviews and, and like you're talking about there, you can hit that ball right where you should. Every time doesn't mean you're going to get the home run. Could be a line drive out. Mm -hmm. uh, go. There's a video you can still get on YouTube. Do you remember the show Fox Sports Science? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I love that show. Go look up the episode. Type in a search Fox Sports Science and Jenny Finch when she was yep. pitching. And she was an amazing. I think she threw around 70. And yep. she had such a huge stride when she landed. She's 35 feet away from you throwing that 70-mile-an-hour softball. Well, they did a thing on sports science, and they challenged a, a guy, a minor leaguer, that threw a 95-mile-an-hour fastball, and he hit, I think it was Cal State Fuller was doing it, and they hit the, the measuring devices, and he registered like 2,400 pounds of force or whatever with that baseball. Of course, now a softball is a bigger mass, right? Uh, Jenny shattered their equipment. She yep. shattered their equipment. And I mean, it's a great episode. I love it. Too many times, whether it's in sports or in life, we judge people only by the results. And the results are important. Don't get me wrong. I, I get equally upset about these people that say, oh, results don't matter. No, results do matter. Uh, if something isn't working, you need to modify it or try something else. But results aren't the only thing. If, if, if you only go by results, we're going to fail. We're going to fail Thomas Edison. How many times he failed? Thousands of times before he got that light bulb, right? So do we do we quit because we failed? We didn't have an instant results? No. You've got to keep going. You've got to keep swinging that badge. You've got to keep running those bases. And whatever you got to do till you figure out what it is you're supposed to do. What was uh, the rookie? Remember, um, is it Dennis Quaid? And his dad oh, said something yeah. Yeah, and his dad said something about that. He says, you do what you're, you want to do until you figure out what you're supposed to do, right? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, Mark Twain also had, had a comment like that. And that's really what it is. It's not only just keep swinging. Uh, you know, you can keep swinging, but you got to learn what, what you're doing. Are you doing something right? Are you doing – what are you doing wrong? Uh, should you be swinging with something different, right? Even as a baseball reference, should you be using a lighter bat, heavier bat, you know, and the same thing with, you know, oh, she's just a girl. You want to know something? I know Jenny Finch is like, you know, her, I, I think they equated that on that program or another program, you know, her 70-mile-an-hour fastball in baseball terms would be like a 90, 95-mile-an-hour fastball. It's, it, it's closer. And you're like, dude, you know, anybody who's not watched, if they just think, you know, softball as a sport, just like, okay, it's a bunch of fat guys, you know, playing high arc ball. No, these guys are some serious, you know, and that's the beauty of it is challenging yourself and seeing exactly what they bring to the table. Oh, yeah. Go watch the women play. The College World Series is coming up before long in yeah. another month. And, and man, you those gals out there, like I said, I've coached for many years. And I tell you, it's it's inspiring to see what some of these gals can accomplish. I mean, they're sure. they're they're amazing. So 
after you got done with school and you started progressing in life, you said you weren't a lawyer. That ever is, I have a bunch of lawyer jokes I could have thrown, but you said you weren't a lawyer, so we can't do that. What what was the progression from there, Dave? Well, you know, one of the things uh, so about lawyers, you know, I don't know if you remember the movie Aaron Brockovich, and I used to say this yes. to the attorneys, and they didn't they didn't like it. Uh, you know, one of the lines in in the movie, she she was like. Yeah, I just work with attorneys. I don't like them, and you know, <laughs> I, you know, I, I do like the attorneys I work with. I'm I, I'm blessed to be working with some amazing people, but that's just the, the the field. It's what I do. It's not who I am. It's the other stuff that I do: the charity work, the coaching. That's who I am. You know, the right. the, the Uncle Dave piece that I, when I talk about on the podcast, that's who I am. The person who stands up for people, I overprotect, if, if anything. I'm one of those overprotectors, you know, that if you're in my circle, I will protect you till till I die. You want to you hit me with a baseball bat? That's okay. Not a problem. But I'm going to still protect my people. And, uh, you know, so when I started doing that, the first time I sat across from somebody, uh, and when I got certified in Havening, I was one of the first 80 people, 79 people actually in the world to be certified in this. It's a psychosensory touch. So you're, you're really like rubbing your hands, which generates delta waves. It's a whole brain wave level we could talk about on a different level. But when I started doing it and I started working with somebody to become certified in it, and they were like, you just helped me overcome something that I've been carrying around with for like 30 years. And I'm like, no, like that doesn't happen. Like, they were like, yeah, no, really. And their husband had come. This was a, a seminar. I was like, okay, then I then to be certified in this technique, you had to be with 30 other people. And to do that, I just kept on finding people to work with. And when I was able to do that, that became even more powerful because I started seeing more and more results of how I was changing people. I had this one girl who eventually came to me. I have three weeks. I'm, I'm, I have panic attacks when I think about being on an airplane, but I just booked a flight with my girlfriends. What do I do? I go, well, I guess you have a problem, don't you? I go, we'll solve the problem. <laughs> and within two weeks, we were able to have her overcome that challenge that she was able to not only fly, she got there and her bags, they lost her bags, right? With all oh, the no. changes. It was an, so she calls me up. What do I do? What do I do? I go, you go shopping. What do you want from me? I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not the baggage claim, but I was able to reset her. And we, we, we were able to in a very quickly able to reset her to calm her, herself down. And she had one of the best life-changing experiences that she had. Those are, those are the things that really make me go when I have stories like that. When, I, when I've when i worked with some Vietnam vets, who, who one, one Vietnam vet came to me, he had, he had these dreams that he, you know, he, he had brought back and not wanting to. And uh, so we worked together after a while. And then he comes over to me and punches me in my arm. He goes, what did you do to me? I go, I didn't do anything. I go, especially, uh, you know, he goes, I don't have those dreams anymore. I go, do you want them? <laughs> you know, and he, he told me in a couple of different words, he didn't want them, but you know, that's the real impact that has drawn me to where I'm at. You know, one of the things that I will admit to people because it's part of my story. It's, I did a TEDx about it. I knew all the right resources. And what I would tell everybody is you have to use your resources. That's the challenge. It's like most people have a gym membership, but they don't go to that gym membership. So you got to use your resources. And when I didn't use my resources, it led me to a really dark place. David, you know, one of the things we talked about before the show is, is what, 
what do you look at as mental health? And, and I look at it today, in today's society and I'm going to talk, we use terms like racism and this and that and mental health. And some of them, I think they get overused to where I think some people are going, well, what does that mean? Just anybody that's got a wacko idea has got a mental health problem? No. What do you see? How would you break that down in, in the world you've experienced so far? Yeah, I mean, from even from my own personal experience, uh, I hate all these different words. I hate, you know, I, I, I've been a recovery coach, so I hate the word addict, somebody who uses a substance, you know, so we need to change better language. And I think that would help us across the board. Forget about only mental health, that if we use better language and try to talk to people about it, not that you're crazy, you believe X, Y, and Z. No, no, we just have different beliefs. If we can give you facts, blue is blue, no matter what. When we look up, the sky is blue. If we could all agree to that, start off with the basis and use the right language because that's really part of the, the biggest challenge. So when we talk about mental wellness and things like that, it's really not just mental wellness. It's not a fix. It's being able to cope with what you have to do. Find your resources. And like I said before, use your resources. So I knew the right resources. And I'm sure you and maybe most, you know, some people in, in your audience are going to have the ICTA disease. And what that stands for is, I know that already. Don't worry. I know it already. <laughs> right? And really. Every coach knows has that disease, right? Right. We, we, we all have that. I know that already. Don't worry about it. How are you applying it? So even as a coach, we're like, if you know that already, how is that applying? One of the biggest questions I ask my you know, clients is I go, how's that working for you? Because if it's not working for you, it doesn't matter that you're swinging with the right balance. You're walking with, with the right weed whacker. If you're swinging it with the weed whacker up, you're not going to hit your weeds, right? I mean, just fact. We need to sometimes ad address things. Oh, but this is the way my dad told, told me how to do it. Well, right, sometimes right. the limiting beliefs or the ability of somebody else doesn't limit it. it. It can limit us, but it also is an opportunity for growth. And that's really good. Yeah. So those are the things that I like to talk about because it really is one of the strengths that we have is the ability. Everybody goes, you know, think outside the box. But if you don't even know that you're in a box, it doesn't really matter that you're thinking outside the box. I think some people don't realize what does that mean? What does outside the box mean? If you don't know what, like you said, if you don't know what the box is, then how can you be outside of the box? I mean, it, people like to, you know, we like to make up stuff that makes us catchier or it's for marketing or whatever. Yeah. But let's do something more simple. Let's just take it down to the way. I mean, there's real mental health, like somebody that's got schizophrenia or something like that. Yeah, sure. That's serious where they're hallucinating or whatever. But let's just take something that probably everybody deals with to one level or another, and that's depression. And I think a lot of times many people feed their own depression because they don't seem to know how to think positive. They don't know how to get over. They, they focus too much on the negative and it only makes them more depressed. Is that, am I close? Yeah, no, and that's exactly. And actually, I don't like the word depression. I didn't know what the word depression meant until I experienced it. And that's okay. We could be sad. Don't get me wrong. I, I guarantee you a lot of us are sad. Things aren't working well. But depression is when we start going, okay, and that's a clinical decision, right? That's a professional who gets to decide that. Not you waking up one morning, I'm depressed, uh, the Phoenix Sun's lost, you know, whatever, you know, whatever, you know, <laughs> you know whatever, no, whatever, whatever 
might bring you into a depression. Now, depression is physically, you know, when, when I couldn't get out of bed, when I couldn't feel that I couldn't breathe, that was a clinical diagnosis that I eventually got that I was depressed at that moment. So now I know not to let myself get back that way. And it's not always, because there are chemical reasons why we go through that. We're human beings. We have brain soup. Our brain generates chemicals, both good and bad, and it's what we allow. And a lot of times we experience things and then a doctor wants to write a prescription. So I'll tell you the story. So where you and I spoke before, I had tried, even though I I was a a coach, I've helped people through different types of resources. I didn't use my own resources. And it led me to a dark place where I tried to kill myself, not because I was sad, which most people go, oh, you should have talked to somebody and they can help you. I go, no, no, there's a bigger story than that, than just being sad. It was a bad business decision in my part. I was like, it was a longer story. And, but what it really was is I understood it. And when afterwards you come out and they go, they go, they start writing your scripts. And I'm like, I don't want a script. I don't really don't want medication, but they really were insistent. So for a little while I took medication, prescribed medication that was supposed to help me through my, my sadness. And I said, I'm still feeling sadness. Well, do you want a higher prescription? No, to me, <laughs> knowing, to me, knowing the sadness means there was a problem. There was a problem I needed to address and I was able to address it. And I've been able to address it with other people at times. Now it's all of our choices. We only want to get better a lot of times when we choose to do that, how we see our stories and what, how we align with those stories and how we feel. So when we feel depressed, yes, you could feel sad, but how many different ways can you see to come overcome that? How many different ways are you, are you playing the victim role where this is happening to me? Or are you playing the victor role where you can say, what can I do with this information? And we have to make, we have to make decisions there. We have to, And let me ask you, because I, I, every time I hear about these people trying to commit suicide now, I guess the the somebody from the military that's been in a war zone mm. and has PTSD. Okay, I I can understand that because obviously that's a, a far more serious thing than I think most of us would even begin to know how to deal with. But just the average person when when I hear somebody they want to take their own life, and I think, why would you want to do that? I sort of tried to do it one time, but I'm a chicken, Dave. I, years ago, my first wife had left me. I was just feeling down. I'd lost my job, and I was mad because of the way that happened because somebody lied about me. But you know, I don't. I'm not brave enough, or hopefully, I get. I don't want to say that. I didn't do something that would have been probably more efficient. I tried to drink myself to death, sir, because like when I would have a party. For anybody, when you have parties, I believe in in having a variety of stuff, whether it's alcohol or non-alcohol. If you like, I, love, I don't like gin. You like gin, I'll have a bottle of gin there for you, whatever. So one day I was really feeling down in the dumps, and I just started drinking all this stuff. And this is when the first time I knew that God had something different from my life because I drank enough alcohol. I don't know how much it takes to, to put you under, okay? I drank enough that day and I'm laying on the floor and it was only like a, an hour or two later and there's a knock on my door and it was one of my ex coworkers friends his or his wife looking for my wife. And I, I thought she knew where she was. She didn't and everything. 
But all of a sudden it dawned on me when I answered the door, when I got up and everything, I just felt like I'd just gotten out of bed. I was tired. I should have had a heck of a headache at the very least. I should have had one heck of a hangover of some sort. Nothing. Nothing at that point. And so I would never, and I just think of that, you know, that's that's not for me to decide. That's for the man upstairs to decide, you know, until until I'm he's done with me, I'm not going nowhere. Well, that's that's funny that you, you mentioned that because uh, during my attempt, uh, I researched it. I, I I was like, oh man, I know what I'm going to do, uh, and, and and I'm not going to go into detail about that for a lot of reasons. But while I was there, I, it should have been successful. I was told by somebody who identified themselves as a grandpa Mike. I don't have a grandpa Mike. Who said it's not your time, and you need to talk about mental health. You need to help other people. Get them up and out and lifting. And that was among the reasons, that was also one of the reasons why I have this podcast because I want to have a platform where people could talk about the challenges that they've had, but how they've overcome the challenges. And that doesn't mean you feel it every day. And that doesn't mean I don't feel sad at, at any time now, but I will never go back to where I was in that way. Even when I do feel close to a depression or close to that, I, keep working and use my resources. So not only have I learned the right resources for me and I've always then extended myself, you know, to learn even more. I mean, I think that's what we keep doing. If we keep pushing ourselves to grow and finding the ways and being honest with ourselves, that's one of the things that I really, uh, really push people is just be honest with yourself. You don't need to tell me what your problem is. There's things I can assist you with, but if you know what your problem is, we can we can combat combat it and overcome those things. There you go. Now, Dave, I told you a little bit. Now I'm even more curious. Um, I told you before the we started recording. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. You don't have to go into the detail, like you said. I'm, uh, we don't want to encourage you, but why? Especially now, you said you did all this research. What kept you from succeeding at taking your life? I, I got to tell you, it was it was it was this Grandpa Mike. It, it, it was um, a gift from God. There's 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 no way that I could explain it in any other way, because it was a for me it was a 36 hour period or a little bit more, a little bit less around that. And I tried not only the first way, I tried several other ways, and I kept on waking up. And at that point, at, at, you know, when it, when I was like kind of out of it, I was like. Okay, I'm really not good at this. <laughs> you know, let's, wow. let's let's be honest. You're not really like I. I mean, one of the things I did, which uh, was the last one, was you know the old noose, right? The old noose is good. So I go there. I go to a park. I, I find a, a place, tie it up. I I you know, kick the 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 milk crate away. I'm hanging there. I hurt my neck, and I'm like just hanging there. And I'm like I could feel it slowly, but I'm like okay, this is, this is stupid. And I'm like, all right, let's not do this. And then I'm like, what do we do now? And, you know, um, because I wrote 50 letters, uh, to be honest. So I, I wanted to kind of make it as easy as possible for those who I loved or who I really had, I felt I had an impact in their lives to explain to them what I was doing and why I was doing it. And, uh, I have destroyed those letters uh, never sent them out? I never sent them out, no. Uh, wow. they, they were going to be left, you know, in a place so that way people can, can read it. It wasn't going to be uh, 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 because I didn't want them to hear about it. And then, like, you get a letter and that's that's kind of freaky. 
it, it would be left, still be left or, or whatever. But it really, uh, okay, now what do I do? And my life fell out further. In fact, about, a, a, I don't remember if it was a week, a month, it, it was very short after, I got attacked verbally by somebody who uh, was telling me how I was a mental case, how I'm good for nothing. And I'm like, you do know I just tried to kill myself, right? And I'm like, you know, it, it made me cry. I, You know, I was sad. But then I always go back. And that was where I knew my healing was within. I really said, go, that person must be in a lot more pain than me and doesn't know how to get out of it. One of the first questions I did, uh, one of the resources I found was going into acupuncture, which I never would have gone to because I, I was like, come on, it's just pins. And does it really work? Yes, it really works. At least it Ain't works nobody poking me. those pins at me, baby. <laughs> yeah, you want to know? I I was in so much pain. I was willing to, and they asked me the best question ever. One of the first questions: Do you love yourself? And it shook me to my knees because I had to think about it. And that's the one question I always ask people: Not do you like yourself? Not do you think you're a wonderful guy? Do you love yourself? And at that moment, the, the answer was no. I mean, I, I paused. It was hard for me to say. It is not hard for me to say now. Uh, do I think I'm a wonderful guy now? No. I, I, you know, I still make errors. I make mistakes. I try to learn from them. But I could say I love myself. And that's one of the reasons why I know I would never go back to that dark place where I would try to end my life. I know no matter what I go through, maybe not no matter what, but I could feel that way at times, but never go through the actions of it because I know how to succeed. I know how to be that Phoenix that I talk about so often who knows how to rise out of the ashes. And I don't there let myself embrace the ashes for long. You know, you feel sadness. You could, again, when you talked about depression, you can feel sad. You can still feel sad for a period of time. If it becomes too long, that's when you need some level of assistance to start digging yourself out of it. There you go. I think with so many things, we we don't like to admit that we have problems. You know, nobody. I don't think anybody does. We don't. We we've sort of been geared, especially guys. I think guys more yeah, than gals. That, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I'll give you an example that goes back to back in the eighties. We uh, the church I was going to in California, the pastor actually brought a guy in, and his name was Dave. And there was a guy. He was he was doing groups group discussion stuff and group prayer and stuff. And he, they would have a mixed group. Then we'd separate men and women. You know, I used to say women do groups. They talk, men don't. We keep everything bottled up. Or, you know, if we do talk, it's like get a friend at a bar or whatever it might be. You know, I was dealing with some things, obviously, not, not as bad as before, but things that maybe kept me from succeeding more. And, uh, so one day, you know, I'd hear the other people and, you know, one or two people had been molested early or abused or whatever. And I would hear that there, they would say, oh, you know, I didn't remember something in my life. And and so Dave was asking me one night where it was my turn to speak, I guess. And I said, you know, I don't remember parts of my life. I, I, I don't, and I don't think I've ever been abused like that or anything. And Dave stopped me and he said, Mike, don't tell me what you don't remember. I want you to tell me what you do remember. Sure. My mom died when I was 10 years old. Mm. Okay. Oh. She had Hodgkin's disease. And at 10 years old, this is 1963, at 10 years old, at Tempe Community Hospital, uh, you were not allowed into the hospital if you're under 14, even if your mom was dying. So the last 
view I saw of my mom was through a hospital window from the outside. And then that mm. night, dad woke me up and told me that she had passed. And I cried a lot and everything like that. So for years, you know, somebody would say something. There were times people had said, like, at the funeral, that the only thing I cared about was my dog or something else. And for years, I say, well, oh, man, your mom died. Let's tell you my mom died. Okay, yeah, I've dealt with it. So this night in the group, and I think this is around 86, 1986, around there, maybe a little later, Dave says, you know, Mike, tell me about your mom dying. Oh, my mom died. Yeah. He said, no, 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 no. Stop. Stop right there. He says, you're not getting away that easy. Tell me about the night your mom died. And do you know, Dave, that I could not say it? It took me, it was very hard for me to get through that to say. I had to look at her through the window, through the outside of the hospital. Yeah. It's- since then, it's, it's changed. Obviously, I can discuss it a lot easier now, but I was even surprised how much of an impact that had on me at that point. I was like 30-some years old. Yeah, you know, it's really incredible what we hold on to either willingly, unwillingly, or just unknowingly. Uh, I'll tell you a story. So I I lost a girlfriend uh, in my 20s. Like, I was going to marry her and everything. And, you know, but I got over it and got married and had children and got divorced and, and, and things. But during the pandemic, I'm reading some poems that I had read. I actually put it in, in, uh, uh, in some of the stories in a book that I published this past December. But I started reading the poems in during COVID, like 40 years later, right? Well, a little less, uh, but 35 years. And all of a sudden, I burst out crying, just the emotions of what I was going through and why I was crying. I mean, because I had told her to go to a party, she was walking on the street. She got hit by a drunk driver. So oh, it wasn't wow. her fault. It wasn't my fault to tell her to go to the party. But I felt survivor guilt. And what it triggers, and, and we all have triggers in our lives. I mean, part of my triggers, you know, how we grew up. I grew up in a pretty good way. But, you know, my dad was sometimes a, a little loud, a little, you know, didn't really wasn't abusive, not, not in a physical way, but in, in a lot of the words that we use, again, going back to words. So it was a lot of challenges how we have those limiting beliefs until we can aw- be aware of it. Uh, one of the things I talk about, I say the monsters under the bed are worse than the monsters in our head. You know, and that's really what it comes down to. We, we make up in, the monsters in our head are so much worse than the things that we don't know. And we make them up. Um, that's why not communicating to a partner or to anything else, that's because you're making it up that much more. You're making it, you're, you're not looking at the positive. Our brains work, the way our brains work, it summarizes experiences. And it depends on what you're focusing on. And that's part of the things I, I strive for is for myself to strive for positive things. And I try to strive, not push the stri- the positive things because you don't want to be toxic. You don't want to say, hey, Mike, you got to get over this. You know, that's, you know, right. when we also talk right. about guys, you know, at the beginning, you know, trying to talk to guys about this is really difficult. You know, get, come on, get over this, Mary, you know, pull up your panties and, and things like that. I heard all of it. And I'm just like, some people back down to it. And some people, I'm just like, all right, this is who I am. You like me? Great. You don't like me? It's okay. It's taken me a damn long time to get to this point. I don't really care. That's why, again, with the image of that green suit. Yeah, I walk in a, suit, in a room with a green suit. Everybody laughs. And they're like, but then I start talking and they're like, wow, you know, you're bringing some, you're bringing your bat. You're, you're, you're bringing that awesome thought. 
One one of the things that I, I wish we could do something about, and I don't know that there's an easy answer for it, Dave, and you sort of touched on it there, is I think there's, you know, like in whatever we call them, snowflakes or Karens or whatever you want to, whatever, that we got too many people today that want to, like they want to be offended with everything. Everything offends them. Every, you know, I when I was in grade school, there was a group of kids called the Michael Mashers when I was about second or third grade that would chase me at lunchtime. And they never beat me up bad. We It wasn't every day. Some days we were best friends. Some days they decided they were going to fight with me or whatever they wanted to do. If you really, if you want to, and I don't know why anybody would want to, I'm sure they don't go out and say, gee, I want to really destroy myself today. But it's like people are looking for reasons to be offended or to justify failure or to be a victim or whatever. And that it sort of drives me crazy because I, I know we all need a pat in the back and we need some positive. I get that. But there's also, like you said, there's a phony positive. You know, you can't just say, oh, well, let's don't say anything that might offend somebody. It's hurting the whole world of comedy a little bit now is because that whole world is made up on being offended. You gotta, you, you got to push that envelope. Now, we don't want to be nasty, but we got to learn to roll with the punches a bit and and find which things are, you know, and get through them. If somebody offends us, how to not take it so personal. It's not, you know, it's that person's attack on it. Not, it doesn't mean it's reality within us, but we take it in like it's reality. That's uh, that's part of the conversation. And that's why we need a conversation, not just a meme, not to just throw back a, 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 a quick response. We need that deeper conversation. And that's what's missing in today in all in, in many levels, not all, but in many levels of our society. You know, again, that's why there's so many polarizations, because not all the things you're red, blue. Uh, and I'm not trying to get into politics. I know you're willing to, but, um, but, it, you know, but, no, but it, it goes into, oh, you believe that. You, you, you must be like the same thing. Like it used to be right. Like association. We're, we're older. We're old enough to say, okay, those tree huggers versus a regular Democrat, right? In the seventies, you had regular people. Then you had people on the really extreme side and vice versa. You know, the, the really Bible belt and, and nothing's wrong with uh, carrying your Bible, but it depends on what you see. And a lot of those people, politicians at least go, I'm holding the Bible, but do what I say, don't do what as I do. And that's what we need to talk about. You know, like I, I just had a couple of conversations about stuff like this is I, you know, I've made mistakes in my life that I wouldn't make now because I've learned, I educated myself. And if something offends you, I'd like to understand why don't just tell me it offends me and we can stop the conversation there. Hell right. no. Tell me why. You know, I mean, look, my last name is Shemetsky. I got beat up more times just because of my last name than anything else, right? You're a Polak, you're, you're dumb, you're, you're, you're Russian, you're not Russian, you're this, you're that, you're, you're white in an area. Look, I got stabbed one time coming home from school just because I was who I was. It had nothing to do with anything else. Let's have those conversations. And people go, well, how can you hate those people? And how I don't hate anybody. Have I been upset? Have I ever used negative words? Yes. Guilty as charged. I'm not, look, I grew up in the seventies. We all used to make we fun all. of each other, right? I mean, <laughs> even just among my hornet set of Jewish friends, we would make Jewish jokes and nobody would be like, Oh, I'm offended. You know? And you know, there's friends that I have 
now who are multi-ethnic and you, you say something and they're like, come on, you know, and I don't go, oh, that's that's wrong. Like one, one I had a friend who did that and he was like, Dave, did I, did I offend you? I go, what? Like, it, you know, you got to learn how to know where it's coming from. Is it malicious? And if it's not malicious and it's there's things that we say that might not be malicious, but it still might be harmful to somebody else. But that's where you need to have that conversation. We go back yep. to that conversation to say, hey, did you realize, did you really mean this? And if you say you really meant this and this is what you want, then okay, then then I can make whatever judgments I want. But if, if not, I give you an opportunity to rephrase it or to at least know what would offend me. I think that's a fair conversation that we have. And that's among the things that I, I talk about is finding the right language. You know, like when I talk about a trauma, it, I could say what it feels like for me, but I haven't been the one who experienced it. And I'm not the one who's looking for the healing. So I always look for the words that the client wants to hear because I don't want them to play a victim. Again, we want to be a victor, not a victim. Right. The the phrase that I I always say that you don't hear almost anymore today and some people who say, oh, it's bad, but I grew up with sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Do names hurt us sometimes? Yes, but we are the ones that give power to those names. And when we're, oh. when we're angry, you know, yeah, like you say, we all screw up sometimes. Uh, I almost got in a fight with one guy one time because we were working. Uh, it was on the bottling line of Coca-Cola out in Phoenix. Back in the day, you had returnable bottles. Most people, they don't know what those are. <laughs> but you had returnable bottles, and there was a section of the line you had to unscrew the cap. People would have the caps back on. You had to take them all before they went in the wash machine. And this guy, sometimes we'd play around because we had hoses, you know, to wash things down. Sure, wash sure. Them. And this guy started spraying me in the face, and all these bottles are going by me, and I – and, and at first it didn't bother me, but he kept, he order overdid it. And so right. finally I said, you know, I called him a racial slur and I, oh, we're going to fight you punk and all this stuff. So we went down to the, the convenience store down the street and we went down there and I said, you know, he was bigger than I was. I'd be stupid to fight this guy. He'd kick my rear. I said, you know, I think his name was John. I said, John, you want to fight me? I, I'm sorry. I called you. I did, but I said, you know, you pissed me off. And what do you do when you get, mad at somebody like that when you get put under that kind of pressure and you're a man what do you do you just throw something out because mm -hmm. you want to let somebody know you're mad you're not meaning anything by it and you know when i get you know we got tied he said you know I, I probably did push it too hard so we both sort of made, made it you know and shook hands and walked away and said you know right it's the, again. it's the conversation and, and and you probably then were more aware to not say that to him you know whatever slur you, you use and that's a conversation. You don't, nobody said you have to be friends. Nobody says you have to like everything that you say. If I'm offended by something, I could still be offended. That's my choice. There's a lot of different options. And it's not because you're so right. And you're like, that's why I always go, let's look back in everybody's life. Please look at the intentions because the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And yep. when we do yep. that, it really is just having the ability to, Figure out where you're at and you don't have to agree with me. You can still say, no, Dave, I don't want to talk to you anymore because the way you said it, what you said hurt my feelings. Okay. That's okay. That's a conversation. Not just no. Yeah, I'll tell you about a friend of mine, Dave, a good example. 
African-American people, black people sometimes make the best jokes about themselves. And they use racial slurs a lot more about themselves. There was a friend of mine named Al. I went to Alhambra High School in Phoenix. He went to Phoenix Union. Big rivals, right? So we were at uh, Phoenix and uh, Phoenix Union and Alhambra were having the football game to decide the division title this one year, right? We were both out of school a year or two. I think I forget how long. So anyway, we were sitting there and their guy threw, I think they ended up beating us like eight to nothing. But there was this one play where their guy threw a pass and we caught their receiver about the eight yard line. Now, Phoenix Union was mostly minorities, mostly black. And Alhambra was a mix, but mostly white. So we caught this guy, right? And of course, any high school football game, you have a police car usually sitting on the sidelines or whatever. And Al's sitting there, he says, gosh, darn it. He says, if we could have, Got that police car to turn on his bubble gum, you know, turn on his lights. You guys never would have caught our receiver. You never <laughs> would have caught him. You know, he'd make he just make comments. You can't help but laugh, you know. And and other people, oh, that's right. You know, no, he would make jokes about his own people, and it was it was all in good humor. It was all sometimes the best jokes come out of stereotypes, and especially it's easier, I guess, when you know it's not a personal. If I don't know you at all. And I say something, you know, I, I better watch my mouth. I'm probably, I may not know that you like to laugh a lot. You you aren't offended easily. But until we know, but other people, let's try not to be so offended. Then we find out. And that's we the get part along. of it is, is if you know somebody and know where their boundaries are. That's why when I yeah, talk about, yeah. you know, the knowing your boundaries, that's what the bat is also about, is, is that swing. You know your boundaries, right? You know, you know your balance. You know who you are how you are with people. And that's a really important thing is to be able to talk to people because that is, is why society is broken right now because we can't talk to each other. It's yeah. about politics. You sides too quick. I, I, right. I have, I have friends on both sides, you know, people who I really dearly care about and I know what topics I could talk about and what topics I'm not talking about. And that goes on both sides uh, of the political spectrum. And what you said before is treat a person like a person just because it's a stereotype. They're not whoever they is. They're not all like that. Whatever stereotype, it's just a stereotype. It's, again, our brain summarizing it in a wrong way, and we need to change the way that it's, it, our brains summarize it. Does a stereotype mean you have two typewriters or – I, I only have okay. one typewriter. <laughs> I only have one typewriter. Yeah. You know, uh, anybody but, under 30 did you say, what's a typewriter, right? Yeah. Dave, let me tell somebody now to wrap this up here a little bit, but tell us if somebody wants to hear your podcast more, how can they get a hold of you? How can they, uh, you know, if somebody wanted to maybe have well, to share something with you? Yeah, well, first, the, the podcast is easy. It's all over. So you go to any major platform, it's 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 on there. Uh, Apple, Amazon, Google Play, uh, it's all there. Peace, love, and bring a bat. And really, you know, just think about it. So the logo is this big guy with glasses, sunglasses and a green suit. There's not going to be many of those. And really, <laughs> to reach out to me, you know, again, the lucky part is David Chemetsky and is really a, a unique name. Look for me everywhere and you'll find me because I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook. I'd love to talk to people. I enjoy talking to people and, you know, just pushing them in the right direction. 
There you go, David. You got even with all those guys that picked on you before, because now you're number one on Google. And they put in <laughs> Dave Chavez, your number. You got the whole page, baby. You got the whole page. One last question. I'm gonna let you go because I hear the weed whacker getting ready to wind up. How come Tom Selleck doesn't have a New York accent on Blue Bloods? No, <laughs> I know, right? Uh, you know, I. I, I, I how can you not try to have a New York accent? I mean, come on, he's an accomplished. That's a whole new set. That's a whole new episode. We'll have to talk we'll about do it. That we'll do another show on that one day. Dave, thanks for joining the Weed Whacker. Ladies and gentlemen, check me out on uh, coachmikenow.com and uh, go whack those weeds in your life. Let's clear the path for your success. Have a great day and God bless. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Weed Whacker podcast. If you would like to join Coach Mike to discuss an issue important to your life, send us an email to coachmike at coachmikenow.com. Tell us about your issue and how it is affecting your life. Give us your first and last name, phone number, and email address, and we will contact you regarding scheduling. Coach Mike will use only your first name unless you request your full name in the podcast. Also, please visit CoachMikeNow.com to sign up for Coach Mike's weekly newsletter. You can also visit Coach Mike's Clubhouse on Locals.com. There you can choose to follow Coach Mike, or if you want access to more content, become a member of Coach Mike's Clubhouse to get certain members-only content. Thanks again for listening. God bless you as you whack those weeds out of your life and move forward to success. for listening to the Weed Whacker podcast. If you would like to join Coach Mike to discuss an issue important to your life, send us an email to coachmike at coachmikenow.com. Tell us about your issue and how it is affecting your life. Give us your first and last name, phone number, and email address, and we will contact you regarding scheduling. Coach Mike will use only your first name unless you request your full name in the podcast. Also, please visit coachmikenow.com to sign up for Coach Mike's weekly newsletter. You can also visit Coach Mike's Clubhouse on locals.com. There you can choose to follow Coach Mike, or if you want access to more content, become a member of Coach Mike's Clubhouse to get certain members-only content. Thanks again for listening. God bless you as you whack those weeds out of your life and move forward to success.